Chapter Six of Pleasure Cycling by Henry Clyde. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six: Cycling and Health. Though near the top of life's long hill and ready for its slow decline, I feel again my pulses thrill and drink again youth's nerving wine. Beth Day. I care not for riches or greatness. I bid dull care depart, and laugh at dyspeptic sedateness, as I spin through the air like a dart. Lennox B. Smith It has been wisely said by President Eliot that, quote, The athletic sports and exercises which commend themselves are those which can be used moderately and steadily, and which remain available in mature life. Such are gymnasium exercises, walking, running, rowing, sailing, riding, cycling, tennis, gunning, bowling, and fencing. The youthful expert in any of these sports will carry into his strenuous professional life a great source of enjoyment and a real safeguard of health and of the invaluable capacity to endure without injury mental and moral stress. On the other hand, the games which demand so much practice and such severe training that the brain is temporarily dulled for all other use, or which require a combination of many individuals of like powers and tastes, or which contain as essential elements violent personal encounters, can have no direct application to the afterlife of professional or business men moreover all games which require intense training for short periods present a serious physical and moral danger for the players the familiar danger of reaction when training stops the writer believes that of the list of sports which president eliot mentions considering these as aids to health and clear thinking cycling easily leads and is likely to lead until some sport shall be invented which shall bring with it an equal pleasure for the same modicum of exertion in its practice the sport is to be differentiated from the others named in that first it is the most independent of sports except walking or running and secondly that the amount of exertion applied to its exercise may always be regulated by the strength or taste of the individual and this without making the sport irksome. Gymnasium exercises are available to comparatively few persons, and to most soon grow insufferably tedious when undertaken as a duty. Tennis and bowling both require a special equipment for the practice of them and companions to join the sport, and the minimum of physical exertion which each calls for is beyond the strength of many fairly healthy but delicate constitutions. Running is for most men past their youth an absolutely dangerous sport, and one which few women at any time of life can safely practice. Most persons find walking for a length of time, especially solitary walking, extremely wearisome gunning in the absence of game is merely walking with the handicap of a gun to fence you must find an adversary of about your own degree of skill to make the sport enjoyable rowing requires water and a boat and sailing a wind as well 
which may treacherously abandon you or set its face against your plans but the cycler with his wheel under him and mother earth under his wheel is absolutely independent of circumstances and may set out alone or in company with the world before him where to choose speaking of cycling as a supplement in later years to the athletic sports practiced in the colleges surgeon culp of the united states army says quote, twenty times as many men as formerly devote more or less time to athletics while at college these after developing cardiac pulmonary and muscular systems to the highest point but too often on the completion of their college life settle down to a sedentary existence absolutely without any form of active athletic exercise as a result of years of experience among this class i am perfectly convinced that sooner or later they lose not only their physical strength but health and vigor as well to such persons the modern bicycle becomes much more than a delightful mode of recreation and the lawyer doctor merchant or preacher finds that his short daily ride enables him to do better mental work both as regards quality and quantity than before perhaps of even more importance is the fact that consumption bright's disease and gout are almost unknown among wheelmen and it has seemed to me that college athletes are particularly prone to the two former as they approach middle age cycling like rowing sailing football baseball riding and tennis is not now in the northern climate available to any extent as a winter sport but it is altogether likely that with the organization of cycling clubs in the larger cities and perhaps in the principal colleges covered tracks will be provided for winter riding so that the sport as a means of exercise may be practiced in the winter to a much greater extent than at present the writer looks forward hopefully to a time when the gymnastic training in the principal colleges shall include a course of bicycle instruction and when the apparatus of the gymnasium shall not be considered complete unless it include a sufficient store of bicycles which may be loaned or rented to all undergraduate comers mr c b metting a new york physician says quote, ride a bicycle for one half mile notice the refreshed feeling the quiver of gentle tension the enthusiasm of vigor now try to recall your thoughts during the half mile am i not right when i say that every care and weight has been lifted it has already been said that the positive tonic effect of this exercise upon mind and body both is marvellous just before these lines were written a lady said to the writer quote, the bicycle has been the greatest of blessings to my husband he has always seemed fairly well but always nervous and at times afflicted with the worst attacks of the blues these never visit him now in the wheeling season and i shall welcome for his sake the opening spring and settled roads perhaps the exhilarating effect of wheeling may be a little like that produced temporarily upon a well-balanced organization unaccustomed to the use of wines by taking a glass of champagne 
with the difference that the effects of the wheel exercise are natural and those of the wine artificial and that the stimulus produced by the wine must be followed by an intenser reaction as regards cycling the cause of this effect the writer believes is not far to seek if one inhales a whiff of laughing gas that is atmospheric air a little overcharged with oxygen he experiences a momentary exhilaration not unlike while it lasts the exhilaration produced by riding on the wheel riding in the pure air if the rider sits his saddle as he should and breathes deeply as he should the lungs are constantly well filled and emptied and at the same time a rapid circulation of the blood is induced by the steady muscular motion the body and brain cells respond at once to this quickened and perfected oxygenation of the blood with the result of a renewed tone and vigor both of mind and body it may be said and it is true that a similar effect is produced for instance by rowing but there is this difference that rowing is of necessity a violent exercise which cannot without special training be kept up for any great length of time whereas on your wheel you may ride from the sunrise to the sunset of a summer's day with very moderate periods of rest taking draughts of renewed health and happiness with each push of your pedals says dr metting quote, look at that man or woman applying to your immense knowledge for health born healthy bred healthfully yet pale dispirited headachy constipated without appetite sound sleep and ambition try your iron oxygen arsenic and quinine your bolus or your fiftieth dilution of a milligram bah as well give them to the struggling rosebush in your parched back garden air is what they need air in the lungs enough to oxygenate to store up and then still more to increase residual capacity prescribe walking such men and women don't walk they meander is it generally known that flabby muscles are the enemy of beauty is it generally accepted that fresh air will sweeten temper these are gospel truths hippocrates cried centuries ago for less medicine and more nature we want less of the bark resin and extract of the tree more of its rich beauty the bright flowers and living green of meadow plants i sometimes think would do more good than the teas made of their remains do i exaggerate if i tell you many aches real ones many pains sharp ones many unnamed unclassified yet real complaints are to be cured by riding a bicycle will you deride not yet i fancy have extolling exclamations for some recent coal-tar derivatives died out you did not know even their formula you used them i suggest a sure adjunct to rapid cure based on daily experience which you can obtain for yourself and i give you the formula a good bicycle and common sense can you ignore it cycling then is not only the most available of sports but as regards its effects upon the physical well-being the best and safest 
because even a very moderate practice of it brings, to most temperaments at least, a pleasure equal to that which the most violent exertion gives. Thus you will find that many strong and accomplished riders prefer for pleasure riding a gait of from six to eight miles per hour. As has already been said, one's riding rate will, other things being equal, depend very much on his temperament, and it will be always the nervous, enthusiastic rider who will be in danger of overdoing. For cycling, like every other athletic exercise, may be rankly abused. For instance, a rider has set for himself a forty-mile run over hilly roads, a trip which he is easily able to make under favorable conditions. Two or three miles out, the wind shifts and blows lustily in his face from the northeast, bringing with it cold and heavy rain. He determines not to be stopped by a little thing like that, and pushes on over roads growing heavier with every mile. He gets wet through and chilled to the bone, he and his machine are covered with mud splashes, and the wheel begins to run hard as the bearings fill with dirt and water. He has to dismount and drag his bicycle up hills that have never troubled him before. At length he reaches his journey's end, ravenously hungry perhaps, but not in condition to eat heartily. He will be pretty sure to catch a bad cold, or a rheumatism, or an indigestion and will be lucky if he has not laid the foundation of some grave functional disorder. Again, there is not anywhere a more foolish person than the amateur racer, who, without any real chance of making a distinguished record, and without either the strength, skill, or training of the kings of the track, exhausts himself in inglorious contests never to be heard of out of a little circle of equally foolish boys. Remember, too, that as soon as you begin to make cycling a business, you make a toil of a pleasure, and the best of the sport is gone, and, which is worse, you may make that an absolute harm which in its judicious practice is the best and safest of outdoor amusements. Speaking of the possible abuses of cycling, it is said, quote, There are objections. What are they? the same that are greatly urged against extravagance, the same objections that can be brought against every article of food or drink, namely, against the abuser, not the thing abused. Drunkards, gluttons, and inveterates, are they legitimate arguments against anything but themselves? To see a rider bent into a tipsy W, flying and panting on a wheel, to hear of some clogged heart that for twenty years has objected to curbstones, having stopped after a bicycle ride, to hear of the broken heads of rash coasters, the hoarse voices of relay riders, these are not objections. As well does the victim of the morphine habit prove opium a curse. End quote. The writer has spoken of a road rate of from ten to twelve miles per hour as one easily to be obtained by the average wheelman on good roads, such as, for instance, are to be found in the radius of twenty miles from Boston. But the capacity of making this rate with comfort and safety depends upon the condition of the rider, 
or rather upon his constitution if his lungs are sound and strong he may make and keep such a rate feeling pretty sure that he can maintain it until his legs get tired which they will not do for several hours if the rider takes five minutes every hour for rest if you have weak lungs you should not ride at such a pace as to get winded or attempt hard hills if you ride perseveringly stopping whenever you get out of breath and not taking the saddle again until you are fully recovered you will find at the end of each week that your endurance and lung capacity have sensibly increased if moderate exercise on the wheel develops a palpitation or pain about the heart stop at once and do not mount your wheel except under the advice and direction of your physician it may be that the exercise in a moderate degree will cure you or it may be that you must abandon it altogether but you should not be your own judge in the matter if you have no functional disorder you may from the beginning safely put into your work on the bicycle all the merely muscular exertion of which you are capable the fatigue or light lameness which hard work may at first induce will do you no harm and will be amply compensated by the tonic effect of the sport on all the bodily functions if you sit your saddle rightly that is in an erect position you cannot help breathing freely and deeply and at the same time the rapid action of the leg muscles will induce a quick and full circulation of the blood throughout the system you are getting pure air and exercise as active as you choose to make it and the result will be a clear head a sound digestion and an absolute quietude of your obtrusive nerves as compared with walking cycling requires an increased action of the knee and ankle joints and in addition to the exercises of the muscles used in walking or running it employs another set of muscles for the push movement which ordinarily have been but slightly developed it is therefore in the knee the ankle and in the pushing muscles that the beginner is most likely to feel fatigue and it may require several weeks of practice to bring him into such condition that he can endure a fifty-mile run without some slight lameness of these parts following so during the off-season you will lose something of what you have gained in strength in the muscles which are resting unless you are within reach of a riding school and practice there for an hour or two each week the beneficial effect of cycling to cure incipient rheumatism or weakness of the knees or ankles is positive and wonderful if you are afflicted with these ills or either of them and are able to ride without actual discomfort even for the shortest period of time try the wheel and ride perseveringly if you can keep the saddle at first but five minutes you may be sure that in a week or two your endurance will be doubled, and that probably in a month your strong new legs will laugh at the weak members which they have displaced. In a newspaper anecdote, the lean lady is made to say to the stout one, How delightful that you have a bicycle too! I go every morning because doctor says I shall certainly grow stouter. To which the stout lady replies, perfectly lovely we'll go together 
I go because the doctor tells me that it will decrease my weight. The contradiction is not so absurd as it seems, for the lean dyspeptic, for example, as the exercise gradually strengthens his digestion, will find his flesh and weight increasing, while the fat and hitherto lazy man will certainly reduce himself to a comfortable leanness in the course of a season's persistent riding. Cyclers in their first season, who are just beginning to take long rides, may find the following suggestions of use. When at work on the wheel, keep your lungs always well inflated, breathing through the nostrils and keeping the mouth closed. Keep the chin up, the shoulders well braced back, and, although you may have sometimes to lean forward in the saddle, never stoop at the shoulders. Do not acquire the bad habit of riding with the hands close to the steering post of the machine. This position contracts the shoulders, and so lessens the lung capacity, as does also the use of a very short handlebar. For a man of ordinary size, a bar measuring twenty-four inches in a straight line from tip to tip is not too long. Do not ride with a saddle that persistently hurts you. The difficulty may disappear after a short rest. If not, a slight change in the saddle adjustment may relieve it. If your saddle constantly troubles you, discard it and try another pattern. If you find nothing but the old-fashioned hammock saddle comfortable, use that in spite of its weight. Do not ride fasting. If you go out for an early morning run, take a glass of milk or a cup of black coffee and a roll before starting. You may ride ten or fifteen miles upon this, and return with a marvellous appetite for a more substantial breakfast. If you can take but a short rest at dinner-time on a long run, do not eat a heavy meal. A lunch of eggs or raw oysters, or both, with milk or black coffee, will keep you in good shape for road work, and you will avoid the danger of the indigestion which a heavy dinner without a rest after it may induce. It is much better to rest for an hour after dinner than to resume riding at once, especially if you have eaten heartily, but a longer rest than this is not necessary. If you are obliged to ride immediately after a meal, ride moderately at first. As to drinking water on the road, the same rule is to be observed as in mountain climbing, horseback riding, or any other athletic exercise. That is, if you perspire freely, you may drink as freely as you choose, so long as you do not drink ice water or other extremely cold drink. But if you do not perspire, you must drink with the greatest moderation. The use of alcoholic liquors while actually engaged in riding, or any other active exercise, is to be strictly avoided. It not only utterly upsets the balance, so to speak, of the physical system, but it has the immediate effect of inducing a shortness of breath, and so disabling the rider. Ginger ale is an excellent and most refreshing drink for a long run on a hot day, and this may be taken rather freely by persons who are obliged to drink very sparingly of water. An excellent thing to carry in the pocket on a hard ride is a stick or two of chocolate, 
sweet or not as you prefer done up in tinfoil as it is sold in the shops this with a hard biscuit or two will make on a pinch a very satisfactory lunch you may smoke if you will on easy ground and will not find that it interferes with your riding that is if your lungs are strong and the exercise does not wind you but if you have a hard hill to climb throw away your cigar your lungs are to be taxed and in cycling as in mountain climbing or rowing good sound breathing and smoking are incompatible avoid so far as you can getting heated on the road in cool weather to this end wear the minimum of clothing while actually in the saddle down to the end of october you will find that generally the best place for your coat is the handlebar if you are warm on dismounting lose no time in unstrapping your coat and putting it on no matter how cool the weather you run little risk of catching cold while actually riding the only real danger being in the exposure of the throat to the wind which will strike keenly if you ride even at a moderate gait so you should never leave home without a silk or wool muffler for the throat wearing this you may be sure that the rest of your body will take care of itself that is if you are in good condition if you are warm on getting in from a run lose no time in making a complete change of clothing taking if possible a rapid sponge bath and a hard rub with a coarse bath towel thus you will avoid a possible cold if you are to take a long run carry with you no matter what else you leave behind a change of underclothing and do not neglect to change at once when you come to a long halt the stiffness of the muscles and knee joints which sometimes follows a long run will generally yield to a warm bath and a vigorous rubbing with a coarse towel which may be wet with a dilution of bay rum some professional riders use freely a liniment made up of equal parts of alcohol and homomalous in conclusion give all your leisure for one summer to the wheel ride wisely and moderately and you will understand perhaps for the first time in your mature life the significance of the expression a sound mind in a sound body dreamless sleep unobtrusive digestion clear mental action wholesome thoughts and the relish for healthy pleasures all these will be yours in full measure and you will see that a new era not merely of physical vigor but also of mental and moral health has been inaugurated by this light swift joy-giving marvelous means of locomotion End of chapter 6